Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 642 with Ramit Sethi. Ramit brings the goods. I have admired his work for more than a decade and bought his stuff, and thank you so good. And so it was really fun to talk to him live specifically about dream jobs and your career season and how that can inform what's your dream job in this season. So you'll learn one, what makes a job the dream job? Two, the questions you should ask your career role models. And three, how the briefcase technique can land you the job or the raise. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we mentioned here, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP642. That's awesomeatyourjob.com slash F642. You can also just tap a link right there in your podcast app player to get their lickety split and you'll see some handy resources right there. Now here's Ramit's story. Ramit Sethi is the author of the New York Times bestseller, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. He has become a personal development expert to millions of readers in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. He started his website, IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com, as a Stanford undergraduate in 2004 and now hosts over a million readers per month on his blog, newsletter, and social media. Ramit grew up in Sacramento, the son of Indian immigrant parents who taught him the art of negotiating. Ramit went on to earn a bachelor's and master's degree and technology and psychology from Stanford University and has used this understanding of human behavior to create innovative solutions and self-development. Ramit and his team build premium digital products about careers, personal finance, entrepreneurship, psychology, personal development, and I got to say copywriting because I have been eating up his call to action program, just saying, for top performers. The I Will Teach community, IWT, includes over a million monthly readers, 300,000 newsletter subscribers, and 35,000 premium customers. You can follow Ramit on Twitter and Instagram. Big thanks to Ramit for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Ramit. Ramit, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, Ramit, uh, I'm excited to chat with you for several reasons. And, and one thing, you wouldn't know it, but the very name of this podcast that was inspired by you, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. It, I was chatting with my roommate in the bathroom, not the bathroom, <laughs> in the kitchen, and we were thinking about different options. And he's like, you know what? I really think how to be awesome at your job is where it's at. It's like, I will teach you to be rich. It's like, yes, exactly. It's so <laughs> clear. It's, this is what you're going to get here. If some guy's going to teach you how to be rich, I'm going to show you how to be awesome at your job. That's what's up. So thank you for that. Very straightforward. I love it. Word. Well, straightforward is one of your 
your specialties. And you've got a whole lot of straightforward wisdom in your course, Find Your Dream Job 2.0. Tell us kind of what's what's the big idea or, or thesis behind the whole thing here? When people talk about a rich life, it's funny. You ask them, what is your rich life? And they almost always say one of three things. They say, I want to do what I want, when I want. Uh, and I go, well, what do you want to do? And then they just stare at me blinking because they've never actually thought beyond that answer. So that's one. The second one is they say, I want to have a million bucks, which is fine. But a million bucks, if you're 60 versus 30, or if you live in Manhattan versus Topeka, Kansas is completely different. And the third and most haunting answer they give me is, Mm -hmm. I just want to pay off my debt. So to them, their rich life is simply getting to zero. Well, one of the things that's been happening more recently, especially online, is people talking about freedom and looking down on jobs. Basically saying, if you have to work at a job, you're a loser because only entrepreneurs are successful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, first of all, I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm personally offended when people say this because that's just not true. The majority of people make their wealth through a full-time job. There's also lots of good reasons to work at a job. You can create something together that's bigger than you could ever create alone. You can learn skills that you could never learn alone. You can have an impact and on and on and on. And I happen to know this firsthand because I have coworkers, employees who work with me to create an amazing business and help millions of readers. So I just want to first start off by saying, let's get rid of this misconception that a lot of people on Twitter are talking about, which is that if you have to get a job, you're a loser. That's BS. Mm -hmm. Amen. A job is a perfectly valid way towards a rich life. Being an entrepreneur is a perfectly valid way towards a rich life. We choose. So with that said, I wanted to help people find a dream job, not just a normal job, not just a job where you're like, oh God, it's Sunday evening. (sighs) I have to take a deep sigh thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. But really the tactics that top performers use to find jobs that pay them well, that challenge them. So that was the origin behind the dream job program. Okay. Well, so finding dream jobs sounds like a great thing to do. Tell us, there's a lot of career coaches and voices out there in the world. What's kind of distinctive about your approach? Well, when I started out in college, I had an odd hobby, which was I loved to interview. And so I got a small group of my friends together. We all, this was our hobby. We loved to interview. So we'd get together, we'd compare notes when they ask you, what'd you say? And we started landing job after job. So I received job offers at top tier companies like Google into it, a multi-billion dollar hedge fund. And one of the key differences with many career options out there is there's lots of people who can give you advice on a resume, you know, 1.25 inch margins, irrelevant when you're looking at top tier jobs. So I always have a philosophy, which is study the best. And if I want to find a job, I want to find people who have gotten jobs at top companies because they understand the game at a completely different level than everybody else. So after I graduated and I had these job offers, I wondered if it was just me. Sometimes you can just be very good at something. And I decided I wanted to help some of my friends to see if I could teach this to them. So I remember one of my early friends, she had dropped out of law school and she was feeling very despondent because her parents and family expect her to become a lawyer. She's like, what am I supposed to do? I have all this debt. I said, I'll help you find a job, but you have to do everything I tell you. And she was like, okay. And she didn't think she had any transferable skills. Of course, we all do. We just don't know how to position them. So I helped her get a job at a top tier Wall Street company. And then 
two and a half, three years later, she came to me and said, can you help me again? She switched to technology and got another top tier job there. So over the course of the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of people find their dream jobs, switch industries, get substantial raises from ten dollars to $80,000. And that's really what separates the material that we teach from the average career coach out there. Okay, so so one distinct you are sure is, hey, you got some results. Shabam, that's what it's about. That's awesome. Well done. And so then how is the approach towards those results different than maybe the, the mainstream? Let's take the most common advice in the career space when you're looking for a job. What do you think it is? If people look for a job, what's the most common advice that they run into? I don't know. Follow your passion and yes. submit a bunch of things online. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Both of, it drives everybody nuts, right? As if you're supposed to go outside in the rain, open your mouth and lift it up towards the sky and passion just rains down into your mouth. That's not how it works, my friends. And then, oh, let me see. Mm, I don't like my marketing manager job. Hmm. One day my boss finally says something disrespectful to me and I decide to leave. What am I going to do? I'm going to go to some random job search website. I'm going to type in marketing manager the very job title that I don't like, and then I'm going to delegate my job search to an algorithm and upload my resume and wait. What a passive approach to life. What a passive approach to the eight plus hours a day you spend in your job, which turns into a career. I want to propose a totally different approach. So first off, if you are going for a $250,000 a year executive position, the way that you approach your job search, the companies, your informational interviews is going to be completely different than if you are a lawyer transitioning to being a social worker. Completely different. So I want to start by introducing this concept, which you will not have heard anywhere else, called career seasons. Just like in life, we have different seasons. We dress differently. We travel differently. We have the same in our own lives for our careers. So let me give myself as an example. When I was in my 20s, I loved working hard. I was willing to work weekends, 60, 70 hours a week, no problem. Because why? I wanted to grow. I wanted more money, more responsibility, more skills. That was the growth season. And some of you listening right now, you're in growth season. You're like, yeah, pay me $15,000 more. I'll put in all the time you want. Okay. What happens as we get a little older in life? Some of us have families, elderly parents, hobbies. And we decide, you know what? I think I want to focus on my lifestyle. Yes, I want to perform at work, but I'm going to prioritize a job that lets me have a lifestyle outside of work. Maybe pick up my kids at 3 p.m. And then for some of us, for example, the lawyer who decides they want to be a beekeeper, I'm sick of being a lawyer. Okay, I'm out of here. They want to completely reinvent themselves. They are in the reinvention season. So if you are going to a career coach or a random website, how can you expect to find your dream job if you're getting the same advice as a lawyer reinventing themselves or a senior executive gunning for a half a million dollar a year job? You first start as we teach in our dream job program, how to find your career season. And you can only choose one, not two. That's the most common mistake. You choose one. And then we show you exactly how to filter and find the right jobs for you. Okay. Well, and that is a handy a framework right there in terms of those are three very different flavors. And so let's talk about growth then. Yeah, I've got to pick one. That's what Great. I want to go for as the, as the best fit for, for most of us listening. Although I personally, I think I've, I've recently emerged from growth into lifestyle. <laughs> wait, wait, before we go on, can you just tell us 
how did you know you switched? Because there are always telltale clues. How did you know you switched to lifestyle? Well, I, I suppose it's like, I guess I think about it financially in terms of I don't see any reason for me to work more to earn more. I could work less and earn less, but fortunately, the way my business is working, I work less and earn about the same. Mm -hmm. So it seems like I can do that. And I'd like to do that. And, you know, I've got two kids and a wife and they're, they're, they're toddlers. And how did I know? Mm, I think it was just more and more times of bumping up against something is like, why am I trading more hours of which are scarce for more dollars, which are, hey, fortunately, these days, not as scarce. Yeah. This doesn't seem to make much sense to me. Yeah. So yeah, those kind of things. Well, that's awesome. And I hope everyone listening really think about if that resonates with you. Because for example, when I was 22, everything you just said would have made zero sense to me. Yeah. I'd be like, what are you talking about trading? What? what? I have infinite time. Get out of my way. I want to grow my career. I want to get promoted, all that stuff. But you're completely right. When you have toddlers, when you're married, when you have when you have the financial stability to really think about what do I want with my limited time every day, then suddenly you may recalculate or you may say, you know what? I love growth. I'm going to double down on this. So anyway, thanks for sharing that. It's very insightful. Oh, sure. My pleasure. So, so let's say folks are in the growth season mm -hmm. and they're thinking, let's, let's do it up. <laughs> let, let, let's find a, a new opportunity that's going to mean more, more fun, more impact, more money, more responsibility, more learning, more, more, more. Uh, how do they go about it? The typical way, as we know, is go update your resume and then put it on a website. That's fine if you want to compete with five other million people who are doing the same thing. I prefer to narrow down my job search. This is what we teach our dream job students so that you can answer this question. What is your dream job? When I ask people that, you know, they say things like, I want to help people. Okay, I do too. But what I really want you to be able to do is to answer that question with something like this. I want to work at a B2C technology company in the Bay Area, which has between 15 to 50 people as a marketing manager or senior marketing manager. All right. That is extremely focused. And when you have a crisp answer like that, suddenly you can identify the 10 to 20 companies that match and you can, like a shark, you can start circling them. And I'll talk about what do you do when you circle those companies. But remember, you are a shark. You're going after your target versus let me throw my resume up in the wind and see where it lands. Certainly. And how does one arrive at that level of specificity? Well, you want to start off by saying, what is my dream role and what is my dream company? So a dream role, a lot of people, again, they sort of just fell into the current job title they have. They graduated college, they became whatever title, and then maybe they got promoted or they just kind of got bumped along. And so here they wake up, they blink their eyes and they say, okay, I guess I am a blank, blank, blank. And then they, when they search, they search for the same title they have. We want to start off by saying, what skills do I have and what do I want to be doing? So I'm a marketing coordinator, marketing manager, insurance salesperson, et cetera. And you can start by doing the research, which we show you how, to find other people who have that title or had that title and say, do I like what they do? Do I like their career trajectory? 
The best part about doing this research is you have a crystal ball into other people like you. So if you are, I'm just using marketing manager, it could be any job title. If you are a marketing manager, you can look in the future and see what other people who used to be a marketing manager are three years from now. Senior marketing Mm -hmm. manager, maybe eventually CMO. Is that what you want? What does a CMO do? Okay, great. Now I've turned a job into a career and I'm looking forward. Awesome. That's part one. You walk out of there saying, great, I know my job title. Now, company. Most of us sort of look around at the companies around us geographically and we go, okay, I'll apply to a few companies and wait. Again, that's the approach that everybody takes. Nowadays, particularly if you want to work remotely, there are lots of opportunities and ways to do it. So when we do our research and we show our dream job students, they start off with the companies they know. I'll just give you an example. We had a woman who worked at a guitar center. You know, those places where you go and buy a guitar. She was in some kind of marketing role. And then she got promoted. She ended up working at Disney. And then she went and got promoted and worked at some other entertainment company in LA. And as I was following her career on LinkedIn, it occurred to me, wow, this lady, first of all, she's a top performer. She's gotten promoted every two to three years. Second, let me look at her trajectory. For example, if I was starting out, I would have never thought of working at Guitar Center. It's just not in my purview. But guess what? Someone who worked at Guitar Center then went to work at a world-class company like Disney. And suddenly I'm saying, wait a minute, can I work at Guitar Center? What other companies are similar to Guitar Center? So you can piece the puzzle together as we show you how to do this research. And you end up with a spreadsheet of roughly five or so job titles and 20 or so companies, dream companies. And now you start putting them together and going out and circling your targets. That's how you do it. And so now with with Guitar Center, that turned up in LinkedIn, sort of, I think about the way back machine, you know, sort of like back in time at a previous phase. So is the method by which we surface those Guitar Center opportunities thinking, well, what's the super dream in terms of like like long-term and then say, well, who's got it? And then what did I do before? Is that kind of the, the strategy? Yeah. That's absolutely one part of the strategy. Yes. You want to look at where people are today. Everyone's got two or three dream companies in their head and Disney tops the list for a lot of people. Great. Let's look at what marketing managers or senior marketing managers at Disney do and what did they used to do? Now we can start to trace it back. So that becomes a very powerful reverse engineering technique, but there's also more to it, right? We can sit at our computers and Google around LinkedIn, but what if we actually talked to this person? who now works at Disney or the next company. We said, hey, can you give me 15 minutes of your time? I've studied your career. It's fascinating to me. I dream of one day working at Disney. And this is a classic informational interview. First of all, people are terrified of doing this. They get all in their head. Oh, why will anyone talk to me? I don't know what to say. Well, guess what? We just decided to show you the exact script for when you have these calls. This is exactly what you say. turns out a lot of people will take your call, especially if you approach them in the right way. And so you get on the call with this person, him or her, you can do it through Zoom, and you say, you know what, I wonder if you could just tell me, how did you go from here to here? What was the thought process? Why this company, not that? And suddenly, you've looked at their LinkedIn, but now you're going so much deeper. They're going to actually tell you why they made those decisions. And of course, if you impress them, which you can, not in not too difficult of a way, Those people often say, hey, if you decide to apply, let me know. Send me your resume. I'll make sure it gets to the right person. So suddenly, you are completely sidestepping everyone applying through the front door and just waiting for the black hole of doom to reject them. And you've got someone who either works or used to work at the company who's recommending you for an interview. 
Mm-hmm. And that's good. What I like about that Innovational, informational interview approaches, it, it's a bit different in terms of we're zooming into the the thought process and decision-making of that person and modeling a potential career after them, as opposed to merely gathering fundamentals about their current job, which I guess you, you could do at the same time. You can. In terms yeah. of like, hey, what's it like working there? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? It, it seems like there's, there's another level of richness there associated with how are you thinking about the career game in ways right. that can inform how I'm thinking about the career game. Well, I love how you described it as layers. You see, when, when people think about informational interviews, as I said, a lot of people afraid to even pick up the phone. But when you really understand how to use all the layers of an informational interview, it's almost a no-brainer that you need to be doing these in your job search. I'll give you an example. So let's say that I'm in the lifestyle season, okay? I need to pick up my kids at 3 p.m. every day. And so I've narrowed it down to three dream companies, and I call somebody who used to work at the company. I say, you know what? I've followed your career. I'm thinking about applying to this company, and I just wanted to understand what's it like to work there. And they say, well, first of all, nobody ever takes any vacation." He said, oh, really? Why is that? He said, well, it's a really hard charging culture and they bonus you heavily, but nobody takes a vacation. And I would say I worked two Saturdays a month. Well, guess what? If I'm in lifestyle season, thank you so much. I really appreciate the feedback. That's an instant no on your spreadsheet. Yeah. Think about it. So many of us never even get clear about what our career season is. So we start off just arbitrarily applying to all these jobs and then our application doesn't match up with the culture of the company. How could it, right? Because if this company's hard charging yeah. and you're talking about, oh, I'm looking for work-life balance, they're just like, get out of here. And of course, you never hear back why you got rejected. So following mm-hmm. the dream job approach lets you unpeel all these layers. And yes, you're front-loading the work. You're doing more work on the front end and it's gonna take you a little bit longer. But I would rather spend two times the amount of time and get eight times the results than arbitrarily send out my resume and just wait to get back a flood of rejections or arbitrary interviews. Totally. Yeah. So that's, that's great stuff. Let's just keep rolling through the process here. So we're getting some great clarity and we're doing the informational interviews. And in so doing, we're, we're zeroing in, getting a clearer and clearer picture of, of what's up. And let's just say our dreams have come true or partially true. And we've got an interview scheduled at a, a promising opportunity. What do we do? You need to have the perfect answers for the obvious questions you're going to get. So let's start at the very beginning. Most people walk in with the mental model of, I'm going in the interview to answer questions. Wrong. If that is your mental model of walking in, you've already lost. Your job is to communicate your key messages in an interview. Now, yes, of course, you're going to answer questions, of course. But if you don't communicate your key messages then all you are is just a random person. You're like a puppet answering questions. That mindset shift is just like every political debate ever. <laughs> I don't care what you've asked me. That's I'm correct. going to convey my talking points. That's correct. And I, I have to say, I hate using politicians as an example of effective <laughs> communicators because sometimes I just want to strangle them. But they absolutely get their key messages across. And I'll give you an example. So this starts all the way back at your resume. When you write your resume, again, people think that your resume, the job is designed to share your chronology. Nobody cares about your chronology. Your job is you've got 10 seconds of a hiring manager's attention. What is your narrative? What is the story that somebody gets after looking at your resume for 10 seconds and then they close their eyes? For me, it was the technology and psychology guy who understands human behavior. 
Okay, so that started with my resume. Then it flowed from my cover letter. And then when I walked in the interview, that was one of my key messages, on and on and on. It's all consistent. So for everyone right now, if you're listening, you're like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Pull out your resume, close your eyes, and then open it for 10 seconds. Close your eyes again. What is the narrative? Or how would you describe this person whose resume you just looked at? If the answer is from 1986 to 1999, they worked at XYZ, you're never going to get that job. Okay, so you want to start off with your narrative. Then you walk in the interview. You have a narrative. You have your key messages. Here are some questions that you're going to get in your interview that you need to have the perfect answers for. Why do you want to work here? Tell me about yourself. What did you do at your last job? And do you have any questions for me? Mm -hmm. Those are table stakes. You're going to get them. So you better have the perfect answer and you better be able to deliver it in 30 seconds, 60 seconds, or 90 second versions. All right. Well, well so can you give us the, the framework then? How do we nail each of those four? Well, let's start with tell me about yourself. Well, let's do a role play right now. All right. All right. So I'm going to ask you that question as if I'm interviewing you. Oh. And then you just tell me about yourself. <laughs> this is the best part. Okay. Ready? Tell me about yourself. Uh, I'm so not prepped. Ramit. You got 18 seconds left. It's so funny. I know like some of the right answers, but I haven't worked it in years because I haven't had an interview. 10 seconds left. All right. Well, I am passionate about discovering, developing, and disseminating knowledge okay. that transforms the experience of being alive. <laughs> and through my podcast, which has reached over 14 million people, How to Be Awesome at Your Job, and become the first ever podcast adapted to be courses on LinkedIn Learning, I am thrilled at how I have transformed people's experience of work away from drudgery into things that, that light them up and, and hear about their victories. So that's what I'm into these days. That was pretty good. I oh, mean, thanks. you got a slow start, but that was very good. <laughs> okay. So Thank clearly you. you've talked about yourself before, which I love. I think an interview is the greatest gift we give ourselves. We get to dress up, we get to talk about ourselves for 45 minutes, and then we get to find out if we were effective communicators or not. It's binary, yes or no. I love it. So when somebody says, tell me about yourself, most people are not prepared for that question, and they start off by saying something like this. Well, I was born under a palm tree, and I really love peanut butter, but after I went to college, I was not sure what to do, so I, you know, I was listening to the, and it's just like, I don't care. Nobody cares, okay? These are questions where you know you're going to get them, so we want to prepare ahead of time and rehearse them so that we can actually be natural in the interview. And it's a great opportunity for you to also build in your key messages. So you might say, you know, there's three real things that interest me. The first is technology. That's why I studied STS when I went to college. And that is why I'm really interested in building systems that scale from one-on-one -on -one to one to a million. The second part is psychology. I'm really interested in human behavior. So at my last job, I specifically took on a role of blank, 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 and we focused on doing jobs to be done research and customer usability testing before we ever launched the product. And the third thing that I'm really interested in is XYZ. All right, that's just a very, very simple, crisp, approximately 20, 25 second answer. Notice that I didn't go through the chronology because nobody cares. Notice that I focused on my key messages that I've already reinforced in my cover letter and resume. What's the point there? The point is not to talk like me. You need to talk in your own style. But the point is, know what they are really asking. They're not asking about a chronology. Please stop going through your resume point by point by point. They've already read it. 
What they want to know are your key messages. What's interesting? What drives you? Why are you here? So we want to prepare for these questions ahead of time and have the perfect answers ready. Well, and what I really love about that approach there is like there are three key things that message interests me is you have complete control to to hit what your talking points, you know, your, your core message. And it, it's flexible in terms of surely you could say something about how something you did in your career fit that interest. <laughs> oh, of course. And so that's that's very easy to do. So in the program, we brought in people and you can actually see them interviewing with me and you can watch people's before and after transformations. It's quite magical. There are some advanced techniques you can use too. You can use something called verbal valleys. So you can do things like this. You can say, in my last role, we focused on customer usability testing and we were actually able to drive up conversions by 32%. Happy to talk about that if you'd like to. But moving forward, we then moved on to XYZ. Okay, notice what I just did, that thing called a verbal valley, where you drop down and you say, oh, I'm happy to go into that in detail if you'd like, but you keep moving forward. That gives the interviewer a sense of control, and if they are interested, they're going to say, hey, tell me about that. And you're like, oh, I'm so glad you asked. First, we started off by doing ABC, and this produced this massive insight. In the program, I, I did another thing, which I really love. I brought in hiring managers. And... When was the last time you actually had real hiring managers with a hiring budget who sat around a table and told you how they hire people and what they are looking for? Never, because <laughs> they don't do this. But we brought them in because I know these hiring managers. So they came in and one of the managers said, my favorite interviews and the people who always get an offer are the ones who teach me something. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, we brought in somebody who was a performance marketer and they basically said, let me show you how I ran this campaign last time, they pulled up their laptop and they started walking this person through. The interviewer was completely, like her questions were out the door. This interviewee started driving the interview and that's exactly what she wanted. So what's the key takeaway here? It's not throw the interviewer's questions out and pull up your laptop, that's not the point. The point is you have control over your answers and your hiring manager wants to learn something. They wanna see someone who is assertive in the interview. And frankly, just it can be kind of boring, <laughs> you know, to interview, have a full day of interviews. Who are saying the same thing? I'm really passionate. I love synergy. Ah, oh, God, what makes you different it, yeah. than anyone else? And so if you learn something new, it's like, well, one, you're just sort of stimulated. They're memorable. And, and that's killer. And so I actually, I wanted to specifically ask you about the briefcase technique. And so we, yes. we've kind of hit that a, a smidge here. What is the briefcase technique? The briefcase technique is this powerful concept that we pioneered, which is used to get substantial raises, land jobs, or lock in freelance contracts. So I've used this many times and so have my own employees use this with me and I hired them. So it works like this. You walk in, whether it's to get a raise or to land a job, and you say, you know, from my understanding of speaking to several former coworkers and people who currently work here, I understand that the key strategy right now is to improve customer conversion. And based on that, I've actually laid out a 30, 60, 90-day plan of what I would do if I began this role on February 1st. And would you like me to show it to you? Okay, what percentage of hiring managers do you think say yes to that question? <laughs> well, I mean, all of them, unless... <laughs> yes, 100%, okay? They go, yes, 
So, and this is where I made it a little fun. You theatrically pull out your presentation. You can pull it out of a briefcase or you can turn your laptop around. It doesn't really matter. But it's kind of fun to pull it out of a briefcase and just let the silence fill the air. And you say, here you go. Here, I made a copy for you. You literally walk them through whether it's a 30, 60, 90 day plan or a proposal for a strategic, uh, how you would drive some strategy that they're working on or whatever that your plan is. And you watch the hiring manager's jaw drop. Why? Number one, no one has ever done this to them. Number two, you've actually done the research and come in with a plan. Now, your plan doesn't have to be completely right. How could it, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're working outside the company. But you've clearly done your research by using those informational interviews, by listening to what the CEO has said in the press and on recent podcasts, and you've put together generally a pretty thoughtful proposal. Maybe even you've included some metrics that you've driven before. When they look at this and they compare you to every other candidate who goes in there talking about passion and you know, just talking about living under a palm tree, the difference is clear. Now, we've actually included briefcase technique examples in the program. One of them, for example, is a student of ours, Jesse, who used it to get an $80,000 raise. And you can see the actual document that he presented. <laughs> so you can see how it works. We're showing you, not just telling you, and it is very powerful when you go in there for your next raise or you're switching jobs, you use the briefcase technique with great results. Well, I'm intrigued, but when it comes to the raise, that's a bit of a different context. Is it just sort of like, hey, I have a plan and a vision that's going to create extraordinary value. Here it is. Let me go run this. Is that kind of like the, the vibe associated with how the raise happens? A little bit, but people pay for performance, not necessarily for potential. So let me flip that and let me walk backwards a little bit. A lot of people hesitant to ask for raises. And one of my charters, one of the things I've been talking about for over 15 years is how to negotiate your salary. Okay, it's all over the internet. And I think one of the big fears, you know, first of all, our culture doesn't encourage negotiation. We're absolutely petrified of it. I love negotiating. It's fun. We, we get mm -hmm. to have a game. Let's talk about it. And the other thing is a lot of us envision negotiating as I'm going to kick down my boss's door, mm -hmm. spin his or her chair around, and then put my hand out and say, give me some money. Well, of course you're going to get a no if that's your approach. Let's take a slightly different approach. Here's what you do. Let's say you know that your performance review is coming up in six months. You go in your boss's office. First, you set up a time and you say, you know what? I really like to make sure that I'm a top performer. Am I hitting all the metrics of my role to be a top performer? So I'd really like to get clarity on what that takes. And you work through this process and you come out with, let's say, three key KPIs. And you say, great, I'm going to send you an email just to remind you and I will update you every other Friday. Great. So now that's part one. Part two is you got to do the work. You got to hit those numbers. You got to deliver on what you both committed to. And of course you say, if I am able to achieve these goals, I'd love to discuss a compensation adjustment. Okay, whatever. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> so you hit the numbers. You're documenting this every other Friday, right? Sending an update, no surprises. And then step three, when your review comes up, that is where you initiate the briefcase technique. You walk in, you say, six months ago, we discussed becoming a top performer. These were the key metrics we laid out. As you know, I've been updating you every other Friday. I'd like to show you the final numbers. We hit it, hit it, hit it. I'd now like to discuss something else. I pulled research and we show you how to find out what you are actually worth. Many people are underpaid by ten dollars to $15,000. We find this routinely. Here's what I'm worth on the market. I'd like to discuss a compensation adjustment. And here's what I see in the marketplace. What have you done now? You've done a ton of work. 
You got micro commitments from your boss all along the way. You've most importantly delivered and you can also pull out what you plan to do for the next six to 12 months. At that point, you've given yourself an irresistible shot at a race. So you deliver the goods and you show them what's coming up next. Yeah. And you show them the market compensation figures. That's the most important part. Look, you can show them what's coming up next. That's optional and that's Mm -hmm. nice to have, but you already committed to what it takes to be a top performer. Now you are a top performer. You should be compensated as a top performer. Yeah, certainly. Well, we talked about uh, Bob Cialdini a moment ago. Like the reciprocity is just, power is just so huge there. Like if I were that hiring manager, I would feel like the world's biggest jerk if I if said anything, if I was that boss, if I said anything but, yes, of course, thank you. <laughs> I, I would feel like the world's biggest jerk. Now, now you might still get some bureaucratic, hierarchical, corporate, whatever, like, well, unfortunately, Ramit, the budget uh, yeah. doesn't really allow for, you know, if you get one of those meritocracy busters, hey, how do you respond? Well, we have counter arguments for all those. Here are the common ones you get. We have a standard compensation policy. Times are tough right now. Maybe next year, the budget doesn't allow it. So look, sometimes that is true. And it is critical. We have a framework we suggest about how to know whether it's an employee's market or an employer's market. So for example, if you're going through a deep recession and you walk in and say, give me $10,000 more, that's unlikely to happen right? Your power is diminished at that point. However, just like seasons, things change and it can be an employee's market. You need to know that because if you don't, you walk in blind and you just don't look very intelligent when you ask for something that just doesn't fit the marketplace. But let's say you do and they give you the sort of standard thing. There are responses which we show you in our negotiating section. And here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that your boss or your hiring manager has a budget And their job is to try to get you to work and they want to save as much as they can so they can deliver all the extra money to the top performer on their team. So you will often find this is that the top performer on the team gets the lion's share of the budget and everyone else fights over those 1% cost of living increases. If you have demonstrated you are a top performer, if you have extracted micro commitments and you've delivered, then you need to make it really clear that you're worth it. If not, You need to ask them, what's it going to take to change this? And if they have no clear answer, then you may need to start considering switching to find your dream job. Mm -hmm. Okay. For me, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. Just a dream job is something that you can do once, twice, three times. It shifts over the course of your lifetime. So, you know, I asked somebody on Twitter, or I asked a lot of people on Twitter, what is a dream job to you? And one of the most common responses I got back was, It doesn't exist. Okay. So I reached out to a few of these people. I said, Do you know anyone around you who has a dream job? And they said, No. Well, of course, if you and your friends all hate your jobs, then of course you think a dream job doesn't exist. The fact that they're listening to this podcast means, of course, they do know that a dream job does exist. But I want to emphasize it because it's so uncommon in our culture. You ask people, How's work going? And some of their common responses are, Work's work, or just wait until Friday. I hate that. I want us to go to a place where we're excited, where we're challenged, where we're compensated, where we can work remotely. So that is why I'm so fired up about a dream job as a core part of your rich life. All right. A favorite study or experiment or piece of research? Oh, I love the uh, ASH experiments in conformity. 
I love so many of Elliot Aronson's studies as described in his book, The Social Animal, and Lee Ross on the fundamental attribution error, who I studied under in college, just blew my mind in social psychology. Mm-hmm. And a favorite book? Ah, I got to say The Social Animal by Elliot Aronson. Okay. And a favorite tool that you use to be awesome at your job? A favorite tool? My calendar. Simple. Okay. And a favorite habit? Uh, my favorite habit is having a leisurely morning. That's my favorite habit. Mm-hmm. Let's dig in. What's going down in this leisurely morning? Well, I think the best mornings are decided the night before, the week before, the year before. So when I wake up, everything, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And by the time I get to start working, this is my favorite part. I double click into my calendar and I have all the links are perfectly placed in the same place every time so I can click it. The link takes me to the perfect place in the document to just begin typing. Now, I know I sound like a psycho to everyone listening. You're like, this guy is crazy. Why is he talking about this? But I want everything to be in its perfect place. And so it gives me a lot of joy to know that all these things have been properly arranged so I can just click one link and everything is just right in front of me. It is a beautiful thing. I don't think it's crazy at all. Oh, really? Oh my God, I found a kindred (laughs) spirit here. Thank you. Absolutely. And tell me, is there a particular nugget you share, a a Ramit quote that you're known for and people cite over and over again? Oh, I believe in spending extravagantly on the things you love as long as you cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? You can go to iwt.com slash podcast DJ, or you can find me on Instagram at Ramit. All right. And you have a final challenge or call to action for those looking to be awesome at their jobs. Okay. Thank you for asking. I would love it for anyone listening. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, my newsletter, and send me a note telling me you listen to this podcast and tell me what your dream job is. That's what I want to know. I'm going to leave it as broad as that, but I want to hear your specifics. Get down to the details. What is your dream job? All right, Ramit, it's been a pleasure. Thank you and good luck. Thanks, this was a blast. I had a lot of fun chatting with Ramit here and I love the season's perspective there because it really brings a boatload of clarity in a hurry. It's like, oh, wait a second. I'm actually not in the growth mode anymore for now. And maybe I'll get back there in three, six years. Okay, that's cool. But at the moment, this is the vibe I'm in. I think that's a great way to quickly zero in on which third of opportunities would be the most appropriate for you in a given moment. And I love the briefcase technique. It's come up before, but it was nice to hear it straight from the horse's mouth today to do that research and then present. Aha! I've got some insight. I've got some work. I've got some value you can behold before your eyes. Don't just tell me you're awesome. Show me you're awesome. I think that is huge, whether you are trying to get the job and show off your awesomeness or you're hiring for the job and to have smart, testing approaches to reveal that you are, in fact, awesome. So again, those show notes, those transcripts, those links to items we've referenced, it can be found at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP642. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. 
Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.